Okay, we're gonna go ahead and dive in then to class. Carter, did you have you have something to share or one of your favorite verses from a, a wisdom text today, I think. Yeah, so if everyone will turn in their Bibles or smartphones to uh, Psalm 19, that's where we'll be today. So Psalm 19. And before we start, I think I want to pray. And then yeah. um, I'd like, if someone wants to read, they can. So um, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for today. We thank you for this class um, and the people that are here today. We thank you for the opportunity to have community, um, to learn from each other, and to learn from you. Um, Lord, we thank you for the Bible, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the wisdom um, that is in it. Um, Help us, direct us, and guide us as we seek uh, your wisdom today um, and throughout our lives. And in Jesus' name, amen. Does anyone want to read? Or we could split it up. All right, cool. Uh, Psalm 19. What version are you reading? ESV. Cool. That's what I have, too. (laughs) The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, and the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his error? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my rock and my redeemer. Yeah, verse 14, that's one of my favorite verses just in the whole Bible right now. I don't. I, it's, I've, I kind of have taken that and I will pop it into a lot of different, you know, prayers that I will say to God. Um, but I love just like the, the setup of this psalm. It's, you have the psalmist who observes something outside of himself, like outside himself in the world. Um, in this case, it's the stars and the sun. And like he notices like the glory of God in them and the beauty and the glory moves him to then 
meditate on like God's law and God's wisdom, you know. And after like kind of meditating on the wisdom, he then looks at himself and asks himself like, you know, he prays to God, you know, keep me innocent, you know, forgive me of the sins that I commit by accident and also keep me forgive me of the sins that I commit, you know, keep me from committing presumptuous sins is kind of what the ESV says so like meditated sins and then you know praise this this beautiful thing there at the end but I'm just curious so like this the psalmist here he's moved by the stars right but I want to know like what are what are the things outside in the world it doesn't even have to be something super profound like what is a time where you've been moved to notice the glory of God in like something that He's created. The mountains. How so? Um, just like when you're whatever mountain range, the mountains as far as the eye can see, just mm-hmm. like you know, the creator of of those mountains have have that much power to create all of that as far as I can see he lives in me like that's just like an overwhelming thought yeah Yeah. we we just got back a couple months ago from Switzerland Mm -hmm. and oh my gosh you just stand there I heard someone say because if you've been there it's like you almost weep it's Mm -hmm. so beautiful it's just like you said, the mountains, but I mean, mountains is one thing, but Switzerland, oh my goodness. So, like, what else? Like, including mountains, what about Switzerland is beautiful? To oh, you? I mean, the flowers and the, just the, the beauty of it. Mm. That I mean, when we saw Lake, what was the lake we saw? Well, besides visual, the auditory, because you hear cowbells nice. long yes. off in the distance, huh. and these, you know, from, they wear cowbells. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was just the whole, the whole experience of it. Um, but you realize, you realize, wow, how did this get here? And, and, and it's like know, awesome. we couldn't make this. <coughs> yeah. Uh, there's a couple places that come to mind. Um, one of my favorite activities is golf. So I know that's a little bit man-made, but uh, there's this place in, in Georgia. Um, it's called Macklemore Golf Club in the 18th hole. Uh, it's just over the side of a ridge, and it's just—it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. Just to look at all the trees and, and the water that's out um, down in the valley and stuff like that. And so you get to have that mountaintop experience, literally. Um, and one thing I've noticed—the other place that I'm going to mention is, is a little island called Sabo, and it's really cool because it's about five square miles, but it has like really tall mountains. So we got to go on a morning hike. Uh, on one of the last days and you're sitting there and you see like the city and you get to overlook the city and we saw the sunrise and stuff like that but we also if you look off on the other side it's, it's ocean all around you uh, and, and I loved having both of those experiences together because a lot of times you don't get the, the ocean and the mountains together uh, but I noticed both of those times that the, the wind's pretty strong up there totally. and I think that's a, a neat thing to, to think about is, is kind of how it's you're on the mountain, like the, the wind's a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a little closer to God. He's kind of, I feel like he, he's blowing that wind a little 
Yeah. I'll speak a little bit to wind here in a second. I that just reminded me of something that I love. All right, but I thought it'd be better when we went to Switzerland. So we were down in St. George's uh, first week of September, and, yeah. um, on a, and it's so dark there um, that the Milky Way was out, and there was the moon was not a new, so it was, a, it was not up. And when you see the Milky Way, when you, you know you, most people don't see it because it's just too light, and it's like wow, I didn't realize what, what the big scale of things is. That's yeah, that's that was right there. I mean, so. This picture, this is a long exposure picture that was taken while I was in Chile um, in the Atacama. There's like, the Atacama Desert is one of the, it's one of the places in the world that has the, the least like light pollution. So the stars out there are just incredible. They're magnificent. Um, so similar to what you were just saying, that is one of my experiences where I was just awed at like the beauty and the majesty of God. And, you know, and one of the reasons that I just, I love this song so much because I had a, a deep connection with the stars and I I have a love for this one and for Psalm 8 um, where you know Psalm 8 also reflects on the stars it says um, oh Lord oh Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth you know you set your glory above the heavens um, and then it goes on to say when I look at your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him. Um, so, similarly to you, I, I would agree um, on that front. Funny that you say wind. I So, the, the word for spirit in Hebrew is also the same word for wind. So, I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily that when you feel the wind on top of a mountain, you f you feel the Lord, right? Like there's something, at least for the Israelites and for the Hebrew people, they felt a deep connection between you know the wind and the Spirit of God moving around them, right? So I think that's really cool. Also, speaking of spirit, one thing that you said, you know, golf's golf courses are man-made, right? But, so one of the first times that the Bible talks about the Spirit of the Lord filling someone is talking about someone, uh, like a craftsman for the tabernacle. So, like, the idea that, like, the Spirit of the Lord fills someone to then use the wisdom of God to create something beautiful, right? Like the tabernacle or a golf course where you can come enjoy, partner with God, create something, and then enjoy God in it, right? So, that's just something that I, I was thinking about when you were talking about, you know, this is man-made, but, right? It's man-made, and but also partnering with God to create something, right? So, that's really cool. Yeah, I was, uh, verses 3 and 4, there is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their works to the end of the world. I thought of, um, because I'm a person who likes to be very, uh, I'm a stickler for a schedule, so I really like to stick to my schedule once I have it planned out for the week. I like to get to places on time. Uh, I like everything in order. Um, but I thought of, you know, this one time we were, my wife and I were trying to make it on time to the airport, and we got everything ready, we made it on time, but we just encountered terrible weather, 
And so our flight was just literally delayed, I think for a day or two. And, you know, we have all this technology and everything to mitigate our problems and try to make everything easier on us. But you just can't do anything about the weather. You just can't stop it. You can't stop the snow from coming down, the rain, the thunder, the clouds. And to me, in the moment, it's frustrating. But also in the moment, it's it's a moment of awe in that sense. And just because you cannot, there's nothing you can do. And I don't think there's going to be in, like ever a time where we can, you know, prevent that from happening. And like planes can't fly through it. Um, with all of our scientific tools and all of that, we still can't um, navigate that. So that, to me, is beautiful in a sense. Does anyone have any thoughts about like verses one through six, or maybe an experience that they wanted to share that they didn't? That'd be okay. Well, I'm curious what the there's like this contrast verses one through four. Um, the heavens are telling. So we have this pattern of speaking, disclosing, but then you have the opposite where they're not speaking, but they're disclosing almost like silently. And you can see it. You can see how the heavens and um, the sky is proclaiming, and the sun is proclaiming God's glory. I just think that's interesting. They don't speak, of course. And I'm thinking of when Moses is on the mountain, you know, receiving the the command, the Ten Commandments from God on Sinai, and it's in it's in Exodus, and it talks about the voice of God, and the, like the word for voice, Hebrew kol, literally means voice, but it also means thunder. And so when the people are at the bottom of the mountain, it says they heard the voice of God but couldn't understand it, and there's also clouds in that scene as well. So. Is it thunder? Is it God's voice? Yes, it's like both. Mm-hmm. And God was speaking, but through, he could, could have been speaking through uh, weather, or th- uh, through thunder and lightning. And I was, th- these verses just remind me of, of that story in Exodus. Something that you said, it reminds me of, uh, like, in in my discipline as an MFT, you know, we have to look for communication, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, you know, when they come in, they, they think communication is speech. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, they come in, they're like, we're not communicating, right? But it's like... <laughs> Well, what is your body language telling your partner? What is, you know, the way that you spend your time? What are the things that you're doing, right? So speech, communication isn't only the words that we say, right? So, like, by, what I think is cool is, like, by shining in the sky, by doing what God has intended and created these things to do, they are they are communicating something about God, about like how he orders things, about what he thinks is beautiful, um, which I, I just think is really cool. Um, but when you said that, that reminded me of that. 
Yeah, and we talked, we, like, remember the first week of class we spoke about common sayings, like wisdom sayings, like early bird gets the worm, yes. uh, better late than never. That what you just said reminded me of the trope, um, actions speak louder than words. Sometimes talking only gets you so far um, in contrast to acting. And a lot of people, like for myself as well, I want to know what God has specifically um, said. What did Jesus specifically say about this or that? But oftentimes you just get the wisdom through the story and how God is acting in that story and how Jesus lived out his life. I like the part in verse 5 uh, where it talks about a champion rejoicing in his court verse now. Uh, I've ran before and I never uh, rejoiced running. <laughs> but overall, it, it makes me think of, um, I'm, a, I'm a coach and, and also a teacher, but like it, it makes me think of like the excitement of like after you prepared for all this time and, and after you prepared once Friday night comes or once... Uh, you know, a bowling match comes, or, or whether it's a, a even a test. Uh, as a teacher, I kind of get excited because I'm, I'm seeing the the results of what what's coming from your preparedness and stuff totally. like that. And so that kind of I, I just love that idea of like a, a runner rejoicing because uh, he knows you know I prepared for this and, and I'm ready. Yeah. Something that stuck out to me in the seven three nine is like a miniature version of Psalm 119 because uh, pretty much every couplet in Psalm 119 is saying something about God's law, His rule, His commands and all the you know laws, perfect statutes are trustworthy mm-hmm. precepts, you know, when you keep the commands and, uh, so it's even though that's later in the Psalms, it's like kind of echoes totally. that whole passage. So your your mind went to Psalm one nineteen, right? Is there like a does that Psalm play a special part in your life, or is just kind of they are similar? No, I just uh, I mean at one point when I was reading through Psalms, totally. it hit me that this Psalm one nineteen is. The same one thing over and over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah, a hundred psalms later, it's something kind of similar, right? Cool. Yeah. I'm, and I'm curious, Carter, why, what made you go to this text? Like, wh- why does this, why is this your favorite wisdom text? Um, you know, I'm not sure if it's, if, if it's, my absolute favorite of all time. Right now, I just really like it. Um, there's something simple to me about, you know, because to do what this psalmist is doing, you have to have a few things, right? Like, you have to have the eyes to see the world, I guess, as like, if this world is ordered, right, or, like, God is in this world, right? So, like, having the eyes to first see it, and then you give yourself the space to then think about it, and um, you, it, you give yourself the time 
to reflect on like what are the experiences that I'm having that are drawing me closer to God um, and then just like I just love how like he goes to the law of God right so like the like the psalmist goes from like seeing the stars and he connects it to oh well these are like you know this is bringing me to like reflect on like the perfection of, of the law and like how God is sure and he's right and he's just and I love how that's like so like much a part of him that that just like comes out in his reflection um, I think that's something that I, I aim to like I want to be that kind of person that like <coughs> can see those things in the world who, who gives the time to think about them and then like like the things of God are just on my heart all the time I guess that's kind of the idea of this song I, for me I have a sort of follow up thought with like what I was saying plus with what you were just saying that of course what would the significance be of something being stated over and over again is mm-hmm. to emphasize how important, important it is yeah. and in this I mean, in Psalm 119, it's essentially, I'm looking at nature, I'm overwhelmed and in awe of how powerful you are, the creator Mm -hmm. of life and the universe. You've given me a set of instructions and like a, a, you know, owner's manual on how to do life. And when I heed that and when I... uh, pay attention to it, then it shows me right living and how to stay away from wrong living. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm I'm putting effort into trying to honor you in the way that I live. And that's essentially totally. the summary of what that whole song is. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of it um, has to do with time, and I think about our culture and how there's really no time. People don't, or you don't think there's time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we recently retired, and we're able to do more traveling because we're retired, and we just to have the time to absorb that and to travel and be able to look around you and. You know, when we were having our children and working and, you know, that was even before they had all the social media, like sure. we were, you know, we're older, so, but, like, our daughter, who was in the midst of having children and working, like, she didn't have time, I mean, I guess if you take all the social media off of your phone, <laughs> you would have time. Sure. You know, we say we don't have time, <laughs> but... As we're scrolling through our phone. Right. <laughs> and I do it, too, and I've, I've had times where I'm like, I have to take social media off my phone, because if I'm out and about, I need to be looking at what's going on about me, but I mean, it's very tempting to always be in your phone and in yourself, very self-absorbed, whereas it's like when you're older and you've got a little less going on, it's a lot easier to do to, to do it, but I just think the time aspect of having wanting to be aware of what's around you is so important. Yeah. And it's hard with everything going on, like all this, the news 24 hours and the radio and the, and the you know, social media, it's just so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I, I find it still just so fascinating that as we're going this, you know, throughout the semester, we're looking at different wisdom texts in the Old Testament. Every time we encounter um, something about wisdom, it's always ethical, right? There's always some sort of moral component to it. It's never just some abstract system or thought or beliefs. It's always something good or uh, just or righteous. And in verse 4 and 5, verses 4 and 5, you get this picture of the sun. Why, what's so good or wise about the sun um, rising and setting and God having setting up a tent for the sun? Well, if you look back in the ancient Near East, uh, iconography, the sun, the, the uh, Babylonian word shamash is literally very similar to the Hebrew, which is uh, shemesh. It's just basically an E sounding instead of an A. But the sun is always pictured, the sun god, with a staff, and it indicates righteousness and justice. And in this sense, of course, it's not the sun god, but it's literally just the sun, and God is um, over the sun, causing it to rise and set, right? And so there's always something good and right about that. Like, I've never thought about nature, like the moon, the stars, being good, right? I always just think of them having a function to like provide for our well-being right <laughs> to give us sunny days or beautiful you know uh, picturesque moments in the sky but there's something good about that and right and you know the sun is life-giving in so mm-hmm. many ways that the, like the warmth you get vitamin d you know when people are out in the sun more they're healthier and yeah. feel better psychologically totally. And and so you could almost draw a parallel that like that the sun is life giving in the physical sense, but God ultimately is life giving. Right. Yeah, it has like it has a function, but it's a good function. Right. Yeah. You bring up a, an interesting point about time, right? Like giving ourselves the time to notice these things, right? And. What makes it what makes it so hard? And, I mean, you kind of spoke to this with social media um, and just like the busyness of life. So maybe the question is, because we all know what keeps us, I think, from reflecting. Well, a lot of us do, right? So how do we, like how do we build rhythms into our lives that allow us to be present, you know, in in different experiences that we have um, and then give us the time to reflect on those experiences like how do you build those in or maybe how how are you already doing that that can be a, something that you say I'll, too I'll take a stab at it it's, sure so it's a discipline thing right uh-huh. it's like or a habit or you know like you know but like any habit go to the gym right it's I don't want to do that but there's benefits if you realize there's benefits, then maybe that might incent you to, to you know, not have the phone, mm-hmm. um, uh, not be on the screen, but to be present, right? And that's a hard trade-off. It's like, okay, I might get something out of it. I might not. Totally. Um, and I think it's just being aware of that so that you can make that trade-off at the time. You're not going to always make the trade-off, but at least being aware of it. Yeah. And 
even like even to that point, right? Like it might feel like it, it is uncomfortable to go run a mile, right? Like if you aren't running. Mm-hmm. It is uncomfortable to pick up a weight. You feel it the next morning, and you're like, man, my muscles are torn apart, right? But the more you do it, the more that you actually enjoy it and then look forward to doing it as well, right? So I, I think you're on this. Like, it is a discipline, and it can be difficult, and it's kind of in the discipline that you learn to enjoy it. Yeah, now, put me in a line without my phone, and, and, and I'm like, okay, there's nothing good about uh-huh. God's world right here, right? But there might be. Sure. Well, and that's a great, I think that's a great place to start for, like, if you're like, I don't know how to be present, like, not, not even necessarily just you, but for everyone, like, this next week, when you're in line, don't pick up your yeah. phone. Right. You can meet some neat people when you're mm-hmm. in line. I've met some, and I've actually met some people that are pain and that we've <coughs> actually started talking, and they're like, you really helped me today. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's oh, when your, bat- that's when your batteries run down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was dead. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no, everybody's so into their phone that it's just no, people don't, they don't interact the way they used to. Like in airport, we were in the airport, I was noticing, it's like, it's silent. Nobody, and it used to be you talk to people. Where are you going? Yeah. Well, even in the car, like growing up, um, like early 2000s, and like we had like the Game Boys and everything, and yeah. but we still, as a family, would play like car, like road trip games. Yes. And now, when I'm in my parents with the car, they're on their phones, and yeah. I feel like, like I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Boomers are the worst with the phones. That's what my granddaughter said. Boomers and their phones. She's we're like, all rolling bad. Her eyes. We're all bad. But she's bad too. I mean, we're all bad. About five years ago, I really started putting a lot of thought and effort into minimizing, simplifying, decluttering, not just with objects, but the calendar and systems and everything, to specifically to increase margin and time affluence. And there's one of the things that I've realized is that we live in a world that, especially the culture that we live in, society, you have to be intentional and constantly intentional to Mm -hmm. not be too busy because if you just, if you passively live and just let life happen instead of happening to life, then you will end up with way too much. And it's the visual that came to me at one point, it's like a goalie constantly like batting things away and <laughs> saying no uh, or otherwise you'll become overwhelmed with too much on your schedule and it's like a constant calling or pruning uh, and when you make a decision am I going to do this it's like well what's my ultimate goal is I want to have more free time or you know, and in, then in, in some people are battling, they grew up and somehow got the message that I'm only valuable if I'm productive. Hmm. And so like there's all those little beliefs that kind of sabotage any efforts to, to have extra time because it's like, well, if I don't do this, I'm gonna <coughs> be lazy or, or something like that. And right. But it's, intentionality is, key if, if you're ever going to not be too busy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and one of the 
the, fa the uh, components of this class is wisdom in the information age. And with our phone, with our computer, our laptops, our tablets, we're constantly being fed information literally every single second. And we've become so overwhelmed and we, our attention spans have gone down and we're able to like quote facts, right? And spew out one, one liners and statements, but where's the wisdom in that? I think that's the challenge that we're trying to present as well as we all go through this together is how do you find wisdom in the information age? Is there wisdom to be found in that, right? I think that's the struggle. Yeah, I think another point to like, you know, we don't have enough time for things, even though we really do have enough time for things. You know, some people said like you need to discipline thing, but I feel like no matter how much discipline you have, you can always make up excuses for things like, oh, you know, it's, whether it's your phone or, oh, I have to work, I have to do these chores or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your mind can always make up excuses for to not do something. So it, that's almost like breaking out of a bad habit. So I feel like it's more of a people thing. Who do you surround yourself with? You know, do you surround yourself with the right people? Do you have a good support group for stuff like that? I mean, take for any, break out of any bad habit, like for AA meetings or anything else like that. You know, that's the core of you. have a support group for yourself to get yourself out of that bad habit. You know, yeah. it's more almost like, you know, surround yourself with people who are saying, hey, Put your time into this thing that's right. Right. Yeah. And a lot of, I think a lot of, um, there's, I'm in the psychology, I have some psychology degree, I'm not a counselor like you are, but. Um, it's all great. A lot of things, <laughs> like, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts mm -hmm. about anxiety, and they said one of the things about anxiety is people don't want to sit with themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't want to just sit with themselves. And part of, because if you sit with yourself, you might feel anxiety. Well, it's okay to feel that. Mm -hmm. And if you avoid it, it comes harder. Mm -hmm. So the big thing, you know, to challenge is just to sit with yourself. And mm -hmm. if you feel the anxiety come, it's like, okay, it's all right to have anxiety. You don't have to run away and go do a chore. You can feel that mm -hmm. and think about that and get over that, you know? So it's interesting. I guess that's like mindfulness. I don't know what you call that. But. Sure. Well, and I like mindfulness is really popular right now mm -hmm. among like the psych field, like as a whole. And I think that's a good thing. And I think we're, I think we're Christian mindfulness or Christian meditation takes that one step further. Is like instead of like when I sit with myself and I, my anxiety comes rising, right? You know you're not good enough, or, you know, you're not successful enough, right? The Christian witness has a person in the, in the person of Jesus who tells you a different truth, right? So if, if I'm just sitting with myself as myself or the world as a standard to which I judge myself, I, th I think that becomes harder for mindfulness to be as effective, I think it can still be effective. But when your standard is Jesus, and you and you move through that anxiety, and then you hear, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you're still loved, you're still important, right? Or it's okay that you failed here because I still love you, right? Like that's 
that's what sitting with someone like Jesus can do for you. I, I, that's at least that's my experience. When I when I like let those fears come up and I I face them and move through them, so then they're not ruling over me. They might the next day, but then I do the same right. thing, right? Um, and it's such a shame because the reality is all of us have have great working value and matter, and we're we are totally the current the the reality is we are loved, accepted, acceptable, and good enough. And the creator of the universe mm-hmm. loved us so much that he wanted to know us and, and sacrifice his son in order to do so, meaning you're worth a whole lot. Totally. Yet people live constantly trying to attain or achieve acceptance and run themselves ragged in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And, and like behavior is so much driven by things like that, like trying to gain acceptance <coughs> and or get away from shame in you could argue it's unnecessary, but in when a person can get to a place where they recognize they are already loved and accepted, which I realize is hard when there's tangible totally. things <laughs> saying the exact opposite, but like if you get to that place, it you can just rest and be, mm-hmm. and it's awesome, you know. Right. But there's there's a lot of factors in coming at you from every direction mm-hmm. uh, com- combating that. Right. Yeah. You speak to, it's, it can be hard even as a believer who knows I was made in the image of God, right? To then hear that and believe it. Like how much harder might it be for someone who doesn't start with that presupposition, right? Um, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. Sometimes I think it's harder than that. Because you can do that and sit there, and then the next day it comes back, and Mm. the next day it comes back, and you're thinking, you get the guilt, like, well, I'm a believer. Why is this Mm. keeping happening to me? That means I don't have enough belief, and oh, what if I don't have enough belief? And then that starts up. So it can be, you know, I think sometimes our beliefs can can get in the way of that. Yeah, I was going to, something that he said, yeah. (laughs) Well, something that he said, you know, talking about, you know, creating rhythms, right? Like, we say we don't have time, but we really do have time, right? Like, how do you... How can you take that, and instead of, like, looking that as, like, a shameful thing, right? How do you take that and motivate you to just do something different, right? Do those two... Does that make sense? I don't know, like, the... In one path, I am feeling... Like, I'm a bad person because I don't do these things, right? In the other scenario, I see something that could make me, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to play this out, but. <laughs> How do you make a change without letting shame rule you, I guess, is what I'm, is what I'm asking. <clears throat> like, how can you hear this today and then not just, like, shame spiral about the disciplines that you're not doing, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like a good amount of this can be not fixed, but becomes attainable when it's in community. Mm -hmm. Because way too many of us, myself included, 
try to deal with your problem that's just your problem. Totally. We remove that community aspect because of the shame when we allow it, allow it to hold us hostage. And yeah, you're not going to see a lot of progress. You're not going to see that anxiety go away mm -hmm. until it is brought into that life. Tell me how community is helpful in that sense. Well, or maybe how you understand that. Well, in the sense of what you bear shouldn't just be yours. Um, so whether that is done in conversation with other believers, other people who also experience mm -hmm. different kind of different anxiety, then who also have severe anxiety. Um, and also people who've been through something that you're going through. Mm -hmm. You kind of need that hope because you're not going to see big changes day to day. Bearing fruit from your beliefs takes a lot of time and it can't all just be self-care. You also need people who care about you and yeah. for you when you feel like change. Yeah. So whether that comes from family, which hopefully people in this room have, but maybe you don't. Mm -hmm. um, you have that found family who chooses to care for, for you. Because I think what everything in this chapter goes back to is God is bringing things into order. Because I read verses 1 through 6, and I think, why the heck are we talking about creation? And he goes into all about the law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why are these two things together? And I think it's, he's saying, no, 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 look at the stars. Uh -huh. There's created order in everything, in everything that God has made. And that includes what God wants to do to bring order into your life. And that's why he jumps into that second discussion of, no, you are made for more. Yeah. You are also part of this creation. And the order God is trying to bring is only going to be found in his law. And now as Christians, we believe the fulfillment of that law in Jesus. So there's, there's more to you. Like yeah, God is trying to do something. That's really well put. Right. Yeah, what you just said, and just out of time, but what you just said is similar to what takes place in Job 38 when Job is asking for God to finally answer him about righteousness because Job thinks that he is just being uh, uh, attacked. God come, his answer is not like, I am right or you wrong, whatever. It's, where were you when I created the earth? And then he goes into righteousness. It's very, yeah, very similar. Again, where were you when I set the stars in, in the sky, when I created Leviathan and all of the, all these other things? So, and we'll also touch on Job too throughout the semester. But and, and I think that you bring you bring an important part to like this seems like it's personal because that's kind of what the psalm is written. It's a meditation, but at the same time, it's it is included in a collection of works that is meant to be read aloud in the company of other people. So it's it's personal and communal all at the same time, right. which I didn't even think of that. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, I Before we go, I wanted to read this in the message version. I just think it's really pretty. Um, and my encouragement to you, um, or I don't, I don't, it's not a, a challenge, or is to, I was thinking about how, like how might I write the first six verses for myself, or how would I write this psalm for myself? But like thinking about how might I write a Psalm 19 that like really hits for me, 
you know, as well. So, and yeah, feel free to leave if you need to. Uh, sorry. Uh, God's glory is on tour in the skies. Godcraft on exhibit across the horizon. Madam Day holds classes every morning and Professor Knight lectures every evening. Their words aren't heard, their voices aren't recorded, but their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is spoken everywhere. God makes a huge dome for the sun, a super dome. The morning sun's a new husband leaping from his honeymoon bed. The daybreaking sun, an athlete racing to the tape. That's what you were talking about. Uh, that's, how God, that's how God's word vaults across the skies from sunrise to sunset, melting ice, scorching deserts, warming hearts to faith. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. God's word is better than a diamond. It's better than a diamond set between emeralds. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring, better than red ripe strawberries. And there's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way? Or know when we play the fool? Clean the slate, God, so we can start the day fresh. Keep me from stupid sins, from thinking I can take over your work. Then I can start this day sun-washed, scrubbed clean of the grime of sin. These are the words in my mouth. These are what I chew on and pray. Accept them when I wake, or accept them when I place them on the morning altar, O oh God, my altar rock, uh, God, priest of my altar. So I feel like this is just a, it's awesome, and it's just a really good example of like, this is Eugene Peterson's reflection on this <laughs> psalm, basically, right? And his rewriting. Uh, and so we have the freedom to, to think and, and do things similar, I think. So, um, do you want to pray? And yeah. We'll be done. I'm going to pray and then we'll class. Dear Lord, we thank you again for letting us come together as a community and reflect on your wisdom text and what that looks like in, in the real world. We ask that you grant us wisdom and discernment as we go off today um, and about our week. Please just guide us and, and help us meditate on you and your son. We ask that you be with those who weren't able to make it as well. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, y'all.